the last row of Lolly the Trolley. It's two middle-aged men in Cleveland, featuring the founder and CEO of bedsheet company Sheets and Giggles, Colin McIntosh. And now, two experts in the art of napping, Ted Klopp and Ken Dworsten. Episode 59, kicking off Ken Dworsten, Ted Klopp. Second week of the fine month of June, Ted. And my gosh, time is flying by. School is done, and it seems like we're going to be starting school extremely soon. It seems like these weeks are flying by. They are flying by. I feel like we're in the middle of summer and it just started. It's ridiculous. But my goal this summer is for my youngest son to ride a two-wheeler. Now, oh, if awesome. I was just if I was just in good enough shape to run next to him, we'd be all set. Just like Rocky. Yeah. I hear the music uh, playing right now when you're running against him. Look yeah, at all those guys uh, are running next to that boy. That's cool. Unfortunately, we'd have to Photoshop that or something because that's not what's happening currently. But, you know. I'm a middle-aged man, Ken. I'm a little out of shape. I understand it. Now, I do want to bring something up. I want you to listen to this. This really was uh, interesting, and uh, I hope you'll agree. The New York Islanders played in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs a week ago. They beat the Boston Bruins to win that playoff series. Here's what happened before the game in game six. I just want you to give this. A listen. And now, please join Nicole Revive as we sing together our national anthem. Oh, sir, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed? That is a sellout crowd of 13,917 people. And my point in playing that is a simple one. In 13,917 people, I'm sure there are Democrats. I'm sure there are Republicans. I'm sure there are people of many different nationalities, many different religions, and many different thoughts about where the country is headed. And yet, for that 90 seconds, we had respect and unity. And those are two things that seems like we've been missing for a long time. 
And this is something that I just think, uh, you know, gives you a little hope that maybe our country is coming together, headed in a better direction than what we have been. So I just, I just thought that was worth sharing. I think that was a, a, a great moment. I'll be honest with you. I am so glad that you decided to bring this up. I heard that this as well last week, and I cannot top the comments you just made. It is so well said. It was so well done by the New York Islanders and the person singing the national anthem, seeing the situation, understanding the opportunity to bring people together. I have no other comments. It's just a, a great event, and, and we can only hope that we could just move forward. That was just awesome. Well, I'll tell you, the first time I heard it, and it's even happening now. The hair on the on my arm just stay. When you hear thirteen thousand people do that, that's pretty special. Yes. Well, all right. Coming up on this show, that's that's some little bit of serious conversation there. Now we're going to get into the nuts and bolts here, Ken. <clears throat> Dad jokes, bizarre laws, and where'd that come from? We've got all that plus eighty thousand pennies getting dumped in a yard. And then turned into something positive. We'll have details on that in our good news segment. Cleveland sports historian Dusty Sloan here to talk about maybe the biggest anniversary in Cleveland sports history, or at least recent Cleveland sports history. The Zones' Steve Muehlhausen is ready to get in the ring. And Colin McIntosh is here to talk about his bed sheet company. Yes, we have a guy to talk about bed sheets. Part of the reason, the name of his company, Ken, Sheets and giggles. I love it. Sheets and giggles. And in Klopp's clips, a man chooses between his niece's wedding and a poker tournament in Vegas. You can probably guess where he chose to go, but we're going to tell you how things turned out ahead in Klopp's clips. Hear ye, hear ye. Time for another look at a bizarre law in California. It's illegal to whistle for a lost canary before 7 a.m. Well, you know, it's California. I mean, what do you want? No idea how this law came about, but according to California.com, the city of Berkeley, California, prohibits anyone from whistling for their lost canary before 7 a.m. What about other birds? Can you whistle for oh, other maybe birds? That's, yeah. canaries? If you lose your parrot, you're okay. There you go. Yeah, you yeah. can whistle. I don't know. It's yeah, I guess so. I don't know. That was my weak attempt at whistling. I don't know that I'd get in much trouble in Berkeley, California, considering you're a silent whistler. Nothing wrong with that. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, talk about a bizarre law. California is the place to find it. Blah 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 blah. Our guest today is the CEO of the bed sheet company Sheets and Giggles. Company started three years ago through crowdfunding. Today they sell sustainable bedding made from eucalyptus trees. Can the combination of the name Sheets and Giggles and material being made from eucalyptus trees was enough for me to say we need to have this gentleman on so let's talk <laughs> with colin mcintosh colin thanks for your time great hey name. thanks ted yeah great name for your company tell Thank me you tell me about why eucalyptus trees are better for sleeping than traditionally made sheets 
Sure. And and by the way, it sounds like when you read Sheets and Giggles and Eucalyptus Sheets, you had sort of a, a holy sheet moment. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> you, the, I, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate the pun and I'm sure we'll have several. The, the, the uh, interview here, I'm going to try to do better. <laughs> yeah, better. Exactly. Better. Uh, I always that one doesn't work phonetically as well. No, better betting, no. but it's yeah. But it, uh, we do that a lot. It's a, we actually it, trademark that. If you um, see Ken shaking his head during the interview, he's used yep. to this kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Be- better betting in the comfortest comforter is what we call it. So we don't like, we don't like calling it we, we don't like calling it a comforter. It's more of the comfortist, you know. No. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> so long story short, um, eucalyptus lyle cell is what's called cellulosic rayon, which is. Um, rayon fabric made from cellulose plants. Um, and so there are three types of cellulosic rayon. One is the original type, which is bamboo viscose, um, which, you know, sort of the first generation of the process. Uh, there, everybody, you know, uh, uh, calls it bamboo. And it's basically really eco-friendly uh, depending on how the chemicals are disposed of uh, to turn the wood into a pulp. So bamboo viscose uses uh, carbon sulfide, uh, and that can be harmful to workers and environments. So it really depends on, on how they're disposing of that. Uh, and so people need to look into that if they're buying bamboo and want to be truly eco-friendly. The second form is modal, which is usually made from beechwood or spruce or pine. And it's stretched very thin and it makes a wonderful duvet cover or t-shirt, uh, not really suitable for sheets because it will wear, wear through too quickly. And the third is what's called eucalyptus lyocell. Um, and so uh, it's actually a closed loop process made, and it uses amine oxide instead of carbon sulfide. And this might be all Greek to the listener, so I'll cut it short real quick. But the bottom line is that uh, it doesn't use any harmful or toxic chemicals. It's closed loop. So they reuse the, the solvents in every batch of wood pulp production um, and fiber production. And it ends up making a material that's softer, more breathable, smoother, uh, naturally temperature regulating, cool to the touch, hypoallergenic, zero static really, really fantastic stuff. And we're basically educating people over the last few years that cotton and polyester don't need to be the default choices when it comes to your bed sheets. And instead your bedding can be made from uh, eucalyptus trees. Hmm. Colin, it's not very often that I have the opportunity to talk to somebody that created a company that started bed sheets. So (laughs) my question for you, how did you get into this business and how did you come up with this idea? So it's so, it's so bizarre. I know it's the, it's the weirdest thing. I get this question from friends, family, from strangers on the street when I'm wearing my sheets and giggles t-shirt. Um, and so the long and short of it is, and this is a true story. I was watching war dogs with miles Teller and Jonah Hill about four years ago. (laughs) I love that. Uh, And it's a great movie. Yeah. And, and, and (laughs) miles Teller's character is selling sheets out of the back of a pickup truck. And I, and I swear to you, I got so frustrated with this character. I said, he, he bought all this inventory. He doesn't know whose customer is. He's getting, you know, he didn't do any demographics research or pricing. You know what? Pause the movie. And I turned to my ex-girlfriend, she's my ex for a reason because I'm neurotic like this. And I said, <laughs> I said, you know what? Pause the movie. And I wrote a bed sheets company plan that night. And I, whenever I write a company, I got a whole folder of business plans. I always try to come up with a brand name and I buy a domain to make it a little more real. And I thought to myself, what's a funny name for a bedsheets company? And it just came to me immediately. I snapped my fingers. I said, Sheets and Giggles, that's a funny name. And so I bought SheetsGiggles.com. I got all the social handles at Sheets Giggles. And then four months later, I got laid off from my job at 1 p.m. on a Monday, along with all my coworkers. And 
I thought, all right, um, it's now or never. And so I, I ended up pulling the trigger on the company. Wow. That's that a great story. So Thanks. am I going to get a better night's sleep on a eucalyptus <laughs> sheet? You, you are because, and I, I, feel, I appreciate you guys giving me all these opportunities. I feel like I'm <laughs> doing advertising for the company. You are because, so unlike, so cotton has, a, a, just to compare it to cotton quickly, it, cotton has a wavy filament. And what that means is it's a natural, it's a natural fiber. It grows in the ground. And because of that, it's, it's imperfect. It's wavy. And so what ends up happening is you have low rates of moisture transfer. So if you sweat, it'll, it'll wick it away from you. Cotton will wick it, but it won't evaporate. It won't spread it evenly. And it ends up pooling underneath you and on top of you. And it creates that sort of a sweaty tomb feeling. Um, polyester is the same way. And so the eucalyptus lyocell it actually has a perfectly cylindrical filament. And so when you sweat, it'll actually evenly distribute and evaporate that moisture across the entire fabric. Um, and so you never wake up in a pool of sweat, you stay cool and, and most importantly, dry all night. And I know that sounds counterintuitive in a little way, like who wants to wake up dry? It's not about your skin or your throat or anything like that. It's simply about your body not being covered in moisture um, which is, you know, you, you, human beings need to sleep dry to have that really deep non-REM sleep, which is that healing sleep. Sure. No, that, that makes sense. I guess the question I have, I'm, I'm involved with different manufacturing. I'm always interested in manufacturing. Obviously, I'm not looking for trade secrets here or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking for production time. So, for instance, obviously, I'm interested oh, yeah. in some sheets. You guys have some stuff in stock. But what is the normal lead time to make sheets? I guess if it's, you're using eucalyptus or a regular cotton or anything like that. So we, so, so that's a great question. And, and the answer is it depends on by the fabric, right? You know, it depends on how specialized you're doing. It depends on your designs, your colors, your, your, your sizing. Um, but the long and short of it is we forecast that out about three months ahead of time when we sure. place purchase orders. Um, and when we start production runs, and uh, we can get that as low as 60 days if we keep a ton of fiber on hand, but then we have to purchase the fiber up front. Um, so you're just kind of setting on capital at that point. And so it, it ends up being, you know, anywhere from 60 to 100 days. Uh, we like to keep it around 75 if we can. Sure. So you yeah. started this company from an idea, uh, for lack of a better term, very entrepreneurial and started it via crowdfunding. Can yep. you just kind of summarize that process and maybe talk about some of the hurdles that you encountered as a, an entrepreneur getting started? Uh, yeah, so, so crowdfunding specifically is a really wonderful tool. And I talk about this a lot. So forgive me if I dive into some nitty gritty here, but for folks who are interested in doing a crowdfunding campaign, I advise a few different things. One is don't rely just on your friends and family, because even if you think you've got a hundred people who love you, even if they convert at 10%, which is a really high conversion rate, uh, only 10 people will give you money for your idea. And you can't, and if you have a hundred dollar yeah. product, you can't build anything with a thousand dollars. So I see a lot of people, they spend time and effort on an idea and then they launch and it just kind of, you know, fizzles out immediately. So to get into the actual uh, tactics of it, which I think might be most interesting to people in terms of how the crowdfunding math works, you know, let's say you have a $100,000 goal. To, to achieve that, you need to do 30% of your goal on day one. That's generally how the math works for a crowdfunding campaign over, over 30 days. So if you want to do 30% of your goal on day one and your goal is $100,000, you need to do $30,000 on day one. 
And if you have an average order value of a hundred bucks, that means you need 300 customers on day one in order to achieve your long-term goal. And if you need 300 customers on day one, and most of those are always going to come from an email list, then that means that you need 10,000 emails because email lists convert at about 3%. Yeah. So that's the way to do it. And that's exactly what we did. And we ended up gathering 11,000 emails ahead of time. And we ended up converting that list at 4.5%. And we ended up having a $45,000 day one. And that ended up snowballing into a $284,000 campaign. So that's, wow. that's you know, high level and, and there's a lot of work and yada, yada, yada in there. That's, Colin, that's very impressive. Yep. So Great particularly with the company and things of that sort. So obviously you have all the bed sheets. Is there another division you're looking at now with the success that you've had <laughs> with certainly with the sheets that you're moving on to something else as well within the company? Uh, yes, we're actually, so we have sheets, comforters, and duvet covers, uh, and pillowcases, of course, uh, all made out of eucalyptus lyle cell. And then, um, we have our new heavy throw blankets, which are really wonderful. They're sort of an in-between a throw and a heavy blanket. They're about five pounds, four pounds, and they're really terrific for the couch. They're, they're a thick weave of, of the lyle cell, really beautiful four colors. And then, you know, right now from a philosophical perspective, you were in year three of the business and we're really, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because we're raising a little bit of, of financing and I've been pitching the company to folks. We're really bleeding customers outside of our ecosystem because we don't have a large enough product category. And what I mean by that is, you know, somebody buys sheets from us, they buy a comforter and then they, they say, oh man, I love this company. I love this product. Let me go ahead and buy my pillows from them. And we don't have the pillows. Let me go ahead and buy my mattress protector. We don't have that. Let me go ahead and buy my my topper or my mattress or my bed frame or my curtains or, or my towels. We don't have any of that. And, and that has been a major frustration for me because you need pretty significant capital to move in, in that broader ecosystem direction. And so, you know, we've been spending some time, we've got a bunch of prototypes in the works and now we're raising money specifically to come out with a sustainable mattress suite, which is going to be really, really fantastic. I'm talking um, you know, natural latex, recycled steel coils, eucalyptus lyle cell covering, um, really beautiful, large embroidered designs on the mattress itself. And then, you know, our sustainable pillows, sustainable uh, mattress toppers, and really crucially, a mattress protector that will use no polyester or plastic whatsoever, which will be the first of its kind. Um, and we're coming out with all that in, uh, I think, about six months. And so uh, that's in development right now. And, and I couldn't be more excited. That's awesome. I was figuring with a name like Sheets and Giggles, your next move might be diapers <laughs> or adult, uh, something like that. But, you know. we've, we've got we've got something coming out yeah. that well. So so in terms of crib sheets, we definitely have a pun in the oven, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we'll be we'll, we'll be coming out with uh, crib sheets before long, and uh, we got flannel sheets, gravity blankets, and I, I always say we start with the sheets, and then you add the gigg giggles over time. There you go. All right. Yeah. Where can folks find Sheets and Giggles if they want more information? So we're, we're really easy to find. Uh, you can just Google the name. Uh, and we're also at SheetsGiggles.com. And uh, yeah, we're, we're out there on social media and we're a good follow too. Well, Colin, we appreciate the time. And I want to know as we wrap up, if you are any good at the following tongue twister. I slid a sheet, a sheet, I slid upon a slid a sheet, I sit. What? <laughs> I slid. I slid I upon slid, a slid sheet. I, I slid a sheet. A sheet. I slid upon a slid. A sheet. I said. 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you totally got me there. Okay, I, I, well, I can't uh, I can't even do the Sally sells seashells. Yep. yep so well, yeah, yeah. Feel free to use that one around the office, and uh, maybe not in front of small children though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's real. It's it's always tricky when you're on the radio and they say, "What's the name of your company?" It's yeah. you know, sheets and, it's sheets <laughs> and giggles. And, yep. And yeah, the guy the guy with the button has to be real, real you know close <laughs> on that one. So yeah. Well, Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, and best of luck. Ted, we have some good news. A Virginia mom saw someone backing a trailer to her front yard and dumping something. Oh, boy. She hollered, what are you dumping in my yard? Her (laughs) ex-husband shouted back, it's your final child support payment as 80,000 pennies or $800 rolled out of the trailer onto the yard. Oh, my. <laughs> Avery Sanford is the couple's 18-year-old daughter. She says she hasn't spoken to her father in years and was upset that he tried to embarrass her, her sister, and her mother. So they decided to make something positive out of the situation. All they right. donated the money to charity, Safe Harbor, a shelter for abused women. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's great. The story has prompted more donations, about $5,000 more since the story got out. That's wow. outstanding. Unbelievable. Well, sometimes when you deal with the jackass, you could do something good with it. <laughs> Drop the mic, Ken. Thank you. Well, Ted, that was some good news. Cleveland! This is for you! Time for This Week in Cleveland Sports. Boy, this is a big one, Ken. June 19th, 2016. Oh, that should be a date that every Cleveland sports fan remembers because that is the date of the most recent championship a Cleveland sports team won as the Cavaliers won their first title in Golden State, game seven, 93 to 89 coming back from a three to one deficit. Unbelievable. It was. And I think it's the last time that I walked around in front of people with my shirt off after they won, where I walked (laughs) back from a establishment in Medina on the square back to where I was living. So uh, yeah, that was a very historic date. And we uh, of course have the opportunity to have Dusty Sloan, our Cleveland historian with us and Dusty from that game, from that series, what are the highlights? Obviously, the Cavs winning, but what are the highlights that you can remember from that series when they won that championship? Well, first of all, being able to have to witness a Cleveland professional sports championship in my lifetime. Yes, I'm going to get the indoor soccer fans mad at me, but Cleveland Cavaliers winning it in a game seven. When you're just sitting there, every Cleveland sports fan had to be sitting there going game seven with our history. Not going to happen. It's, it, this is this is Cleveland sports. We're setting up for a for a fall here, and then it absolutely happens, and it happens at the end of the game. And my wife and I like to talk about how we want to have sports teams that we can wrap our arms around. And this 2016 Cavs team was one that you could wrap your arms around. You like those guys. You wanted to see them succeed, and they were doing it for the city of Cleveland. So when it finally happened and you get that 93-89 win in Game 7 over the vaunted Golden State Warriors, and then obviously the the big parade that happened afterwards. It was just a great time for us Cleveland sports fans. 
Yeah, I think it's a point, and I can kind of go back to the way I felt at that time. I didn't know what to do, and it sounds weird. It's like, wow, your team just won the championship, but it's so out of character that, you know, our team won. We didn't have some kind of upset or we weren't disappointed, and I didn't know how to act. I mean, specifically that night, and after they won, I like the parade. I had the opportunity to go to that, just like many other people, but what were your thoughts, like, following that season and, and everything that happened with the team Obviously, LeBron James, you know, just absolutely amazing. Kyrie Irving hits the shot to win it. But it just seemed like there were so many other players that contributed so well to that championship that, you know, certainly LeBron and Kyrie are the guys you think about first. But there's so many other players that really, really contributed extremely well. Absolutely. And you look at just that last box score. And, and the veterans that you had on that team that contributed, even if they when you look at a Richard Jefferson, a veteran like that, that able that solidified that team. And in game seven, he comes off the bench and he only scores two points, but he grabs nine rebounds. Mo Williams only played five minutes, but he contributed. I, th- I think Amon Shumper is probably one of the players that people don't remember from that team, but he came off the bench in that game and scored six points. So you had obviously the stars and Kyrie and LeBron and, Kevin Love, but you also had the J.R. Smith and the Tristan Thompsons. This was a complete team. This wasn't necessarily a big three and they all go out and they get the job done every single game and you win 65 games. This was a star-studded team, but it was a complete team. And I think that's what Cleveland fans appreciated most about it beyond just winning the championship. Dusty, no doubt. And we can only hope that we can have this experience sometime soon in the next couple of years for sure. If we can get this for the Cleveland Browns, there isn't anything that would stop us from going to Cleveland and being in that parade. Trust me. Oh my gosh. We'll have podcasts upon podcasts just to talk about that. Let's be honest. I talk about it every day. (laughs) Well, Dusty, thank you for your time. And once again, another this week in Cleveland sports, June 19th, 2016, when the Cavs won their championship. Cleveland, this is for you. Ken, it's time for Where'd That Come From, where we look at a common phrase and explore its origin this week. The phrase is break the ice, meaning mm. to break off a conflict or a or commence a friendship. Now, back when road transportation was not developed, ships would be the only transportation and means of trade. And at times, the ships would get stuck in the winter because of ice. So the receiving company would send ships to break the ice, to clear the way for trade ships a gesture that showed affiliation and understanding between two territories. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, not like break the break a leg. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That was a little this is a little different. This is break the ice. Now you know where that came from. Time to get in the ring. Steve Muehlhausen from The Zone back with us. And Steve, since last we spoke, we talked about cuts behind the scenes in WWE. Then they went and they sliced a bunch of talent, including a big name. Uh, not that the other names aren't significant, but they cut Braun Strowman. What are you yes. hearing about why this happened? I mean, this is a big surprise, I would think. But what do you? What insight do you have? You know, when these cuts first came, oh my god, I was like, you look at the, some of the. I was like, okay, some of the names. I was kind of like, okay, I get. But then when you got to Alistair Black and you got to Braun Strowman, it's like, wait, what? Two guys that are being put 
A, in high-profile positions. I mean, you look at when we're talking about Strowman here, he had a monster deal. Well, was that like... Million. It was like one... That was their main reasoning from people I've talked to there. I talked to people, it was like the day after all this happened. and mm-hmm. I was told it was just that salary. They weren't getting the bang for their buck, mm-hmm. per se. But they dropped the ball on him two years ago. He was ripe. He was over like Grover. He was, it seemed like all the stars were aligned for him to beat Brock Lesnar after Roman Reigns had to relinquish the title, the universal title. And they had Lesnar basically squash him in like six, seven minutes. And it's like, you knew at that point it was never going, he was never going to get to that point where he was going to be, he'd be upper mid card, lower main event here and there, but he was never going to be firmly entrenched in the main event. And I think they missed the ball on him. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think they screwed him up royally. But at the end of the day, he was making way too much money. The, the money he was making wasn't worth the push, and they weren't reaping on the investment like mm-hmm. they would have if they would have pulled the trigger on him two years ago. Interesting. Well, Steve, obviously a, a name that many people will know who's back with the WWE, Samoa Joe. What can you tell us about him? This was a Triple H move. This was 100% a Triple H, Paul, whatever you want to call him, Triple H, Paul, the back, whatever you want to call him. He was like, what are we doing? We're getting, we're letting a main event attraction go who still can cut promos, still on top of his game. He's great in the ring. He's on, he's not healthy right now. And it's a major concussion issue. So that's why it was going to be, it was interesting to see where he was going to go because of his health issues. And I think from what I, and from what I was told, he was going to take more time off. He had planned on going anywhere. They came to him. They made him a, a really good offer, more than what he was making before. And he's like, for the role they're going to put him in for now, and they're going to, he's going to try to get cleared and get a return to the ring. But for now, he's going to be more behind the scenes, more of an authority role on TV. But this was a shocker. I wasn't expecting him to go back. It would, I wonder what they said to him that made him want to go back. Because I find it, it to me that it's the most interesting part of this is no one really knows why he went back. Maybe and, they said, uh, you don't have to work with Vince, you'll work with Triple H. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But no, you're not. But you know what? You're yeah. not wrong, Ty. Not wrong at all. Because I've talked to enough talent that tell me that. Yeah. They like, there's a lot of guys, in, and, and this is kind of really a big problem right now with WWE is, and I wish they would give more resources to NXT because people are tired of what they see on Monday Night Raw. People yeah. actually like what they're doing on SmackDown. That stuff on SmackDown is actually watchable. I can sit, I, I'm invested. You can get me to watch for two hours. I, I'm into SmackDown. I'm in the two hours of NXT, but... But when you got to deal with a 75-year-old man who doesn't know right from left and changes his mind every other minute, it, that's frustrating for talent. And when these guys from, and girls from NXT, they drive you when they get, oh, you're going to go up and you're like, oh, do I really have to? Because they like NXT. They like yeah. the environment. Paul Levesque's a really good boss. He's more open to try different things and see if it works. Yeah. All right. Well, another guy who left WWE, not a current in-ring talent, but a former in-ring talent, Mark Henry over to AEW. How significant a move is this? And what role will he be? Is he just a broadcaster now? What's he going to do? 
I think he's significant in terms of being like a talent recruiter. Because he did that for some of the things in WWE. He was the one who brought in Braun Strowman. He's the one that brought in Bianca Belair and the Street Profits. And he brought in some talent that's made some noise. Look at what Bianca's doing right now. You look at what Strowman did. Henry's got a Mark Henry's got a pretty good eye for talent when they let him do it. And this was more him wanting to do get into announcing, but he also wants to help AEW with being a talent recruiter, because he's got that name. He's got instant credibility. Guys like that, you need more of, because they, they've been there. They know how the business works, but they also can help guide you. They also can help recruit talent. And I think Mark's a good addition for that, the new Rampage show that's going to be starting up in August. So I think under this signing, I don't think guys is really getting enough credit. Fair enough. Steve, based on what's going on in the WWE and the AEW, is there a storyline from either one that's particularly good right now? Oh, my God. We'll start with WWE. I love what they're – there's two things I like about what WWE is doing right now. They're not doing many good things. I love what they're doing with Roman Reigns. What they're doing with him is just – and this is a lot of Roman, a lot of Paul Heyman, and Vince having a lot of trust in both of those guys. That storyline with him and the Usos, I think, is just – it's so money right now in – and I like what they're on Raw. I like what they're doing with Randy Orton and Matt Riddle, RK Bro. I just think Matt Riddle checks every box to be the guy, the guy you can build a company around. And you can see they're doing it by putting him with Orton, Orton showing him, teaching him different little nuances, things he needs to do, things he does not need to do. And they just have great, and they have great chemistry. And that's also important. You can see that through the TV screen. So I really like those two things right now with WWE and AEW, there's a lot to like. You know, I like what they're doing with the Young Bucks and the Omega stuff. And I think everything with Kenny Omega right now is just, it's clicking. The belt collector storyline is just tremendous, being the cowardly heel like we used to see in the 80s. So when you find that right baby face, to whatever the end destination is going to be, how AEW is going to do this, it's going to be, it's going to make a lot of money and it's going to get the reaction from the fans that it should get. So those are a couple of things right now that are just really popping to me in pro wrestling. All right. Well, with that said, let's take a trip in the way back, the wrestling way back machine. I know you love, I love it, this. Steve. This is great. We're going to go to June 14th, 1989. The Ding Dongs debuted in WCW. <laughs> As part of Clash of the Champions 7 from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, with a win over Cougar J and George South, that great team. Now, the Ding Dongs, if you're not familiar with them, I'll explain. The Ding Dongs wore masks and ran to the ring wearing neon orange outfits with white bell graphics. They hailed from <clears throat> Belleville, USA, and they brought bells with them to the ring that they rang in order to try to get the crowd behind them. Oh my God. The story goes that Jim Hurd, a former Pizza Hut executive, was put in charge of WCW, oh, had Jim. the idea for a tag team of hunchbacks that couldn't be pinned because they were hunchbacks. When the booking team nixed that, he apparently turned to this idea, the ding-dongs. A rather annoyed Jim Ross was calling the action the night of Clash of the Champions 7, and... Quipped, I guess we'll call one ding and the other dong. 
on the broadcast. The gimmick did not win many fans, and eventually they were pinned and unmasked to show their true identities, Greg Evans and Richard Sartain. Steve, you know anything about the ding-dongs? Uh, is that one? No, no. Have you, have you See, gone back and enjoyed the ding-dongs and all their glory? I don't ever. I've never even heard of the ding-dongs. Well, I, you I actually have. got me stumped here. Yeah, the ding-dongs. You're going to have to check this out. This was a... Uh, this was, this was, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm really like, I remember George South, George South, one of the great minds of wrestling. Yeah. I never heard right. of Cougar J. No. We uh, all know well, Jim Hurd. Jim Hurd had about the IQ of negative five. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, ding dongs and hunchbacks. What else? Wow. Do you know? This was Jim Hurd, if I'm not mistaken, was the guy that wanted to change Ric Flair's gimmick to Spartacus, right? Yes, that is yeah. correct. And yeah. Jim Hurd is also the one that never thought it would happen, but forced Ric Flair out. Ric Flair then went to the WWE and came back about a year and a half later. But you know, the, the, the illustrious run of Jim Hurd, the guy known as the Pizza Hut guy. Yeah, the Pizza Hut guy. Station uh, manager out of, I think that's like a sports station out of St. Louis. And usually you could find in pro wrestling, you could find something positive to say. About individuals, yeah. I don't. There's nothing positive you can say about Jim Hurd in this time in the wrestling business. Well, now really, like, there's I, really nothing. I, 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 I'm positive that his ideas were bad. Well, this would be right <laughs> on the top of the list. <laughs> the name and theory. I laughed because it's funny. Of course, it is. Well, we, we we'll in a couple of weeks when we have you back on. I want you to uh, give us your analysis of the Ding Dongs versus. Cougar J and George South. Hopefully I do not fall asleep. All right, Steve. Well, <laughs> thanks for your time. And uh, we'll get in the ring again in a couple of weeks. All right, guys. Have a good one. Talk soon. Oh, no. Not a dad joke. What's the best way to watch a fly fishing tournament? I'm not sure. Live stream. <laughs> That joke was horrible. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Ken, here we go with the news you might not have heard about, but probably should. We start with Republican Congressman Louis Gohmert, who was part of a virtual hearing for the House Natural Resources Committee. He was talking to the associate deputy chief of the National Forest System, and they were discussing climate change. Is there anything that the National Forest Service or BLM can do to uh, change the course of the moon's orbit or the Earth's orbit around the sun? Obviously, that would have profound effects on our climate. I would have to follow up with you on that one, Mr. Gomert. Yeah. Well, if you figure out a way that you in the uh, Forest Service can make that change, I'd like to know. You'd like to know. BLM, in this case, the Bureau of Land Management. Oh. <clears throat> so we're checking to see if we can change the orbit of the Earth. Now, NASA 
says the Earth's orbit changes from being close to perfectly circular to being slightly more elliptical in a cycle that takes about 100,000 years. The orbit is currently around as close to being circular as it can be. If they could figure that out, I, I have a lot of other things they could work on as well. Yeah. But one well, thing at a time, let's be honest. The, the best part, and obviously you couldn't see it uh, on this show, Ooh. the look on the woman's face, the dramatic pause, and then the, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, a North Dakota man made an interesting choice. He skipped his niece's wedding for a Vegas poker tournament, saying he figured that one missing family member wouldn't hurt anything. The choice paid off. 63-year-old Harlan Miller won $367,800. Wow. After the win, he said, quote, I can get her a better present now. Well said. He's thinking of others on that. He wasn't just thinking about himself. That's great. That's right. That's right. Nice job, Mr. Miller. Massachusetts lobster diver has quite a fish story. Michael Packard was in about 45 feet of water when everything went dark. He first thought he'd been bitten by a shark, but didn't feel any pain. That's when he figured out he was uh, he was inside the mouth of a whale. <laughs> he was trying to find his breathing regulator so he wouldn't suffocate when the whale went to the surface and spit him out. Packard spent some time in the hospital, but now out with just a few bruises, no broken bones. Oh, my gosh. That's like an animated story is what that is. That's amazing. College graduations have taken on many different forms this year, some in person, some virtual. The ceremony for Lakeland Uni Lakehead University in England was streamed live on television. The grads were asked to send a photo for the convocation. Everyone sent in nice formal pictures. Everyone except Ruby Cole. She said she didn't realize her fellow grads would take the request seriously. The picture she sent, which was used in the ceremony, was a selfie she took with her hair in a messy bun while sitting on the toilet. Oh, my God. She posted the video of the ceremony when her picture came up on the TikTok. I'm sorry. She posted the video of the ceremony when her picture came up. She posted it on TikTok. She's grimacing with her nostrils flaring and captioned it with, quote, I'm pretty sure I was actually pooping when I took that. Oh, my. Wow. Ken, I don't know about you. I have never taken a selfie while pooping. No, no selfies I, while pooping. I'm not I'm really. That's not my cup of tea. Now, I, I don't really want to do that. So. Well, a Maryland candy company is selling chocolate-covered cicadas. Choquette Chocolates freezes the fresh cicadas then they're dipped in boiling water, coated in oil and spices, and then air fried, oh. dropped in darker milk chocolate. Health-wise, they're low in fat with a balance of vitamins and lots of protein. Taste-wise, the owner of the chocolate company says they taste like chocolate-covered potato chips. Sure. Yeah. Just hold your nose, have a cicada, and it's you just think it's a chip. So you're not going to... We, we, we don't need to get you a, a helping, a bag, or a, or a no, box? No, I'll do it. I'll, okay. I'll eat that. I'll try okay. that. I mean, there's chocolate on it. I mean, well, God knows that's true. It makes everything good. We're operating under the idea that everything's better with chocolate? Every time. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll give you a chocolate after your next root canal. See how it goes. <laughs> All right. Let's close up this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. Ken, we're 
wrapping up episode 59, we have Ding Dongs, Chocolate Covered Cicadas, 80,000 Pennies, so many different things. We got Sheets and Giggles this week. That was outstanding. What yeah. a great concept and idea from Colin McIntosh. Extremely impressive. What a, what a pleasure it was to talk to him. Well, and now Dusty, we're- man, our man, Dusty Sloan, always is right on with the Cleveland history. That guy, he knows his stuff. Hey, this this weekend is an important weekend for you and I. It's Father's Day weekend. Yep. Is that what they call it at your house? Well, one year they called it Fatter's Day. At least that's what my daughter called it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm going to spend some time with my kids right around the weekend and then see my dad for a golf outing on Saturday. So it'll be it'll be great. How about you? Do you have any special Father's Day plans? No special plans. Hopefully just relax and spend time with the kids. And I think we've talked about this many times. That's really all you want to do. You just want to spend time. Yep. Spend That's time. Correct. All right. That's well, correct. let's give a thanks to Colin McIntosh from Sheets and Giggles, our Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And of course, DeZone's Steve Muehlhausen, who got in the ring and gave us the latest on the pro wrestling scene, or I guess sports entertainment, depending on uh, who's listening. <clears throat> now, next week on the show, we're going to have Zach Schlein on the show. Now, Zach has created a mobile dating app that has video. This is a wow. new way to do online dating. And so we're going to talk to him because it should be very interesting. This is a, an interesting concept. And, um, I think it could I think it could speed the initial dating process along. I think it could yes. weed out some of the some of those bad first dates might be eliminated or shortened to a video call. I would think so. I think the catfishing might go away. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that everyone knows we are not talking to Zach Schlein because you or I want to get back on a dating app. No. That's not the case. You are happily married and I can't wait to get married. So just uh, just for notice for everyone as well as everyone listening at home, we are not getting back on dating apps. No, that's not the reason for this. No. Although I will say that when you were uh, you were dating uh, after I was married and I lived vicariously through your first date stories for a while, that well, was... I tell you, I had a I had an interesting run. We'll just leave yeah, it with that. It yeah, was, it was very interesting. Well, we've made it through that. And that's yep. put us where we are now, Ken. Yep. And just so everyone knows, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.